Good afternoon, St. Louis. DGS on Camerax. Happy Tuesday. Another beautiful day. See, this is the kind of thing, Ron, I know you get this. It's going to be 80 tomorrow. Uh, okay, that's fine. Okay. Because it's going to be 50 on Saturday. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can take that. Uh, I'm fine with that. It's just when 80 is the low, that's, that's what's bad. bothersome. I agree with you. However, also part of me is like, 80, come on, man. Yeah, I know. Come on, even if it's for a day. Yeah. We're, we've already gotten to 50s, and you're going back to 80? Squirrels are already eating my pumpkins. Yeah, man. <laughs> I think it's the same guys. I think I recognize their work. These trees don't even know what to do. Should we fall off or not? Right. It's like they're not even sure. How long do squirrels live? Oh, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how many roads they live. Man. I have uh, run over a squirrel on I-55. It was traumatic. I-55. I-55. Yeah. Wow. Was he hitchhiking? <laughs> He ran out, ran back, and then ran back out, and this all happened within a second. And I hit it, and then I saw it kind of take about uh, five or six steps off. to. The, I looked in the mirror, and then it just kind of rolled over. I've always felt like those are some sort of squirrel initiations. You know, like you have to run <laughs> yeah. to the middle, stop, <laughs> You're be look at, our at group. the car, run back. You know, they're like, oh, Pete's dead. So. <laughs> yeah. It was the funniest thing. When Phoebe was little, she loved this joke. If I would... <laughs> Hit a bump, I'd go like, oh, man, I just hit a squirrel with a backpack and sneakers, <laughs> meaning I just killed the kid. And having that oh dark Glover sense of humor, nice. she just thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> Speaking of, can I tell you a, a very relatable thing to uh, to parents? Like, Wheels, you'll get this. So, had a frustrating day-to-day work. Everyone who works a dynamic job has frustrating days, right? I mean, nothing fatal, but just like... This is frustrating. That was frustrating. This pissed me off. And not the greatest day. And Phoebe was initiated into uh, Tri-Delt on Sunday. And so I sent her this nice bouquet of Tri-Delt flowers. And she didn't pick them up for two days. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, honey, you've got a delivery. And I'm always sending her, like, cookies or something like that for she and her, her roommates. So I'm sure she thought it was just more like Harry and David moose munch. And so she finally got them, and she texted me, and she said, these are literally the prettiest flowers I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what a great day. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's, it's your day, when you have kids, your day just, I don't know, maybe I'm just too into my kids, but it just, it, someone told me you're only as happy as your saddest kid. And I think that's mm-hmm. true. And you are only as sad as your happiest kid. I think that's true as well. Like, I could have something really bad going on in my personal life, but if things are going well for my kids, I'm like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it's a comfort level. You know? Like, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't erase other things, but it definitely just calms everything down. Yeah. You're like, you know what? In the end, the most important thing is okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had a really funny conversation. Uh, <laughs> I made tacos over the weekend, and so I... As you guys know, I've gotten financially sober to where I'm, like, not door dashing. I'm not buying on eBay. I've spent way too much money on stupid crap, and I'm just I'm very proud of myself. It feels really good. It's the first time in my life I've been frugal at all, and it feels really good. And so made tacos over the weekend, and I've been eating them for three days like a normal person. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I can't eat any more tacos. Oh, I brought them for every lunch. day, tacos. I brought them for lunch today, and I'm like, I can't do it again. So I thought, well, maybe I'll go by and get a roaster. But I don't want to just eat it like a caveman. I've eaten 10,000 of those. So I asked Rach, I'm like, what can I do with the roaster? And she's like, make tacos out of that. And then Wheeler's like, I'm Mr. Roaster. And I turned to Ron. I love Ron. And he goes, man, 
I look at those things, and they look really good, and they're not expensive, but then I think, oh, I've got to cut it. That was a real sentence. I just love you. It was. It was. It's a lot, man. I don't even know what I'm doing. There are bones, and I don't know where the. I even watched. I even watched. Eat the bones. What do I do? I watched a YouTube video of Gordon Ramsay doing it perfectly, and I watched the whole thing, and I rewound it and watched again. I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah, nobody does it it perfectly. Can't do it. You just got to get the big chunks really good early, like good slices, and then at the end, you just peel off what you want. And then I I told you guys something. The other day when I brought in the Costco roaster, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was and just sitting there. I was going, shut up. I was going after it <laughs> with the. I was going after it with the knife. Was that convincing to you guys? I didn't pay attention. No, nah, you butchered okay. it. Yeah, you I, looked uncomfortable. Yeah. I had never. I realized as I was cutting into it, I'd never really cut a chicken before. Yeah. yeah. Now that you bring it up, it did look like you were doing an autopsy. Well, you did have yeah. a huge like murder knife. Mm-hmm. It was the that, only dangerous. Was looking yeah, he had a cake knife. <laughs> like you know, the big knives you used to cut a big cake. Britney was dancing with. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> Fake knives, she said. Yeah. Halloween knives. I'm sure. I'll tell you what, I am super impressed with people who can cut the wing off and make it look good. You know, like do it right. Oh, it's it's not hard. I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's not. I always carve the turkey and all the competition I've I've done with barbecue, (laughs) although we don't, you know... Chickens apart, but they don't use like whole chickens. But I, I can, I can help you out. <laughs> and then Ron, he and I are very similar. Maybe it's the whole East Side thing. But for a guy that doesn't even want to buy a roaster, cause he doesn't want to cut it. <laughs> he's like, you ever uh, see those knives? Are like a hundred bucks? Like I really, I'm drawn to those. I'm like, me too. I totally. <laughs> the ones on infomercials. Oh, yeah. those, they work. I'm like well, those, this will change. Yeah. This will change my whole life. I'm talking like those really great Japanese yeah. chef knives yeah. that probably cost a thousand dollars or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, who do I think I? What am I gonna do with this? <laughs> he's I'm, gonna not, be in the I'm not doing anything with this <laughs> knife. Maybe you should get Ronji one of your pocket knives with the jewels. Oh, you guys could be knife yeah. brothers. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Those are nice. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about when you were knife? You ordered, I think, one too many of like the world's sharpest <laughs> knives. Oh no, no, no! I got that for you. Oh well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I was I was showing it to my wife, and it has the little spot where you put your finger for cutting stuff, so you don't cut it off. And I was like, yeah, check it out. And I was like twirling it and spinning it. And I ended up like really cutting myself. <gasps> yeah. Oh, really man. You would twirl the world's sharpest knife. Really, really. I thought it was just a name. <laughs> he did that in front of us. You said, here you go. It's the world's sharpest knife. And he immediately twirled it on his finger. <laughs> I thought it was just the name. Yeah. I thought it was like just the world's best no cup of coffee. Yes, I thought it was just branding. I didn't know. But man, that thing. That thing, that thing cut like a whisper. That thing, yeah, it was, yeah. All of a sudden, my hand just exploded with wow. blood, and I was like, uh-oh. Jeez. Yeah. It also reminds me of the time where Dave got Andrew the watch. Oh, jeez. That was one of the greatest moments of my life. Dave gifted Andrew this beautiful watch, and Andrew's like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen something so beautiful in my life. And he takes it out of the box. He's like, I will cherish this until the day. I- Son of a bitch. He, like, he dropped it. Dropped it face down on the floor. I dropped it. And it flipped face down and slammed <laughs> with an audible thud onto the office floor. And I went, oh, no. Because I was like, what a nice moment. It meant so much. And then I just like, I just ruined it. I think it was like his 10-year anniversary with me. Yeah. And I bought him a really nice watch. And it was like, it was the greatest comedy I've ever seen. Like, if he meant to do it, it was. It Is was it a, broken? It was a scene. No, it's, total, it's 100% okay. fine. 
but I was just mad because it was like this really nice moment. <laughs> and it just slipped out of my hands and fell. And the way it fell, like the ground shook. Yeah. <laughs> like just perfectly face that. down. It fell with such purpose and just slammed the ground. Awesome. Hmm. I still can't believe that Airbnb lady didn't gut you. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Chris was saying earlier he wished something bad would have happened. I do wish. Yeah. I wish there was a story. I'm not going to lie. I was, it was a little bit like, and <laughs> Andrew's like, it was fine, yeah. kind of weird. She's just a little mean. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of hoping yeah. for not some Not even excitement. mean, grumpy. Hoping for more than passive aggressive. Yeah. 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 We're like, here for Airbnb. Either, okay. like, uh, <laughs> either like, you know, a party, right? Like everybody had a party or like there was fights. I was a little disappointed too. I mean, I'm going to be totally honest. Like I was kind of, you know, I was like calling downstairs like, I'm vulnerable. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Vulnerable. Anything can happen. <laughs> my favorite thing today is Andrew was like, let me tell you, as weird as you think it is going into someone else's house and using their shower, it's weirder. And we were all like, we told you it was going to <laughs> yeah. be weird. We all knew it None was going to be weird. convincing that that's weird. <laughs> I, I've decided since then. That story, I'm going to put labels on all my bottles that say, this is for Kelly and only Kelly. Like, Who the hell's Kelly? Chris's hair. Lots of people take touch. showers at my house, by the way. Do, what? do okay. not touch for uh -oh. Chris's hair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Weird flex, but that's fine. Yeah. When's the president going to speak? It's supposed to be an hour ago. An hour and 15 minutes. He's late. Did what? you guys misread the, like, Eastern Central time zone? You know, thing? I asked that question. <laughs> I said, are you guys sure it's 12 o'clock our time? And we were, uh, we, yes, we were told it was 12 They're going on mountain time today. Fred says he's in a meeting. Well, I know he, he did meet out. with uh, Netanyahu, mm. so maybe that's part of what's going on. I don't know. Do, I mean, don't you feel like we, like, I, I know what he's going to say. You know what he's going to say. Mm. Like, I would be so shocked if he said something that I'm not expecting. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and there really isn't much to say other than that, right? That's I mean, a good point. Offer support, condemn the well, attacks, terrorism has I no place. I, I bet he addresses, I would think what he'll address is the American families. Absolutely. Who have, who have people who are uh, yeah. in custody somewhere. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, we have Delta Force and we have the Army of Northern Virginia. Mm -hmm. We have all sorts of ninjas. Uh, and I think we have every right in the world to go into the Gaza Strip and try to get them back. Uh, but the information I'm getting is no boots on the ground. Israel's going to handle this. They have all their peaceful people. They have Mossad, X, Y, Z. Uh, would you guys feel better if Delta Force were at least in country ready to go? I don't know because Israel's got a really good elite strike force itself. They're really good at that stuff. So I don't know if we should just leave it to them because they know the area better. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking is this, this is less about aptitude and ability and a lot more about what you know yeah. about the terrain, about the city, about Hamas specifically. Like how much do our special forces have trainings or briefings specifically about Hamas in uh, in that area? And we've got good intelligence. Their intelligence, really good. Well, it's like it's this, also really it's good. their next door neighbors, right? Yeah. I mean, like they know right down the road. I'm, again, I'm not saying that that makes it necessarily better or worse, just saying that I, I can understand under that circumstance, their special forces is probably better equipped to do it without problems than people that Boy, aren't in the middle of it. I would think that they have to be reeling, though. Uh, okay, they're showing the podium. So it, it, it'll be any second here with, with 
President Biden. I would think they'd have to be reeling, though, because it's like being the best tennis player. Uh, yeah, and yeah. then the 400th ranked tennis player beats you, you know, as far as the intelligence goes with Mossad and the U.S. and everyone else. Because these guys pulled something off with literal golf carts and uh, paragliders. Crap, paragliders. Uh, up against a country that spends billions of dollars and gets billions of dollars. In. I think that might have been one of the weak points is that Israel is so uh, technologically advanced and focused on cyber attacks and what type of new military weaponry there can be that using bulldozers and golf carts, mm-hmm. it was such a low-tech I saw attack. I saw someone from the IDF just today who was very candid and he said, I'm going to be completely honest with you. We looked at this exact scenario, and I bet we spent 10 to 15 minutes on it mm. because we all agreed in the room that it was ridiculous. There's no way they would hit ever hit us from land, air, and sea, and we dismissed it. Mm. How about that? I think you're right. I think you're right, Aim. I think it's like, what would they never expect? they never expect this, like a full, true invasion, yeah. even if it's on golf carts. Uh yeah, maybe that's how you beat uh, a giant. I mean, it's not that far off of the idea, different yeah. tactics, but the idea of 9-11. It was something True. that while it, had been con- yeah, while it had been conceived of in meetings, it was never like, this is a major threat that we want to really make sure we got on, we're on top of. Rach, what do you want to do here? You want to break? I feel, I don't know. Let's ask Andrew, too. I feel like we should break, and then if we need to come in during the commercial break, we can. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, we'll be right back with uh, the president's address. All right, guys, going to bring you the president's address right now. You know, there are moments in this life, and I mean this literally, when the pure, unadulterated evil is unleashed on this world. The people of Israel lived through one such moment this weekend. The bloody hands of the terrorist organization Hamas, a group whose stated purpose for being is to kill Jews. This was an act of sheer evil. More than 1,000 civilians slaughtered, not just killed, slaughtered in Israel. Among them, at least 14 American citizens killed. Parents butchered, using their bodies to try to protect their children. Stomach-turning reports of babies being killed. Entire families slain. Young people massacred while attending a musical festival to celebrate peace, to celebrate peace. Women raped, assaulted, paraded as trophies. Families hid their fear for hours and hours, desperately trying to keep their children quiet to avoid drawing attention. And thousands of wounded, alive but carrying with them the bullet holes and the shrapnel wounds and the memory of what they endured. You all know these traumas never go away. There's still so many families desperately waiting to hear the fate of their loved ones, not knowing if they're alive or dead or hostages. Infants in their mother's arms, grandparents in wheelchairs, Holocaust survivors abducted and held hostage. Hostages whom Hamas has now threatened to execute in violation of every code of human morality. It's abhorrent. The brutality of Hamas, his bloodthirstiness brings to mind the worst, the worst rampages of ISIS. This is terrorism. 
But sadly, for the Jewish people, it's not new. This attack has brought to the surface painful memories and the scars left by a millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide of the Jewish people. So in this moment, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. And we will make sure Israel has what it needs to take care of its citizens, defend itself, and respond to this attack. There's no justification for terrorism. There's no excuse. Hamas does not stand for the Palestinian people's right to dignity and self-determination. Its stated purpose is the annihilation of the State of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. They use Palestinian civilians as human shields. Hamas offers nothing but terror and bloodshed with no regard to who pays the price. The loss of innocent life is heartbreaking. Like every nation in the world, Israel has the right to respond, indeed has a duty to respond to these vicious attacks. I just got off the phone with a third call with Prime Minister Netanyahu, and I told him, the United States experience of Israel experiencing our response to be swift, decisive, and overwhelming. We also discussed how democracies like Israel and the United States are stronger and more secure when we act according to the rule of law. Terrorists pur purposely target civilians, kill them. We uphold the laws of war, the law of war. It matters. There's a difference. Today, Americans across the country are praying for all those families that have been ripped apart. A lot of us know how it feels. It leaves a black hole in your chest when you lose family. Feeling like you're being sucked in. The anger, the pain, the sense of hopelessness. This is what they mean by a human tragedy, an atrocity on an appalling scale. But we're going to continue to stand united supporting the people of Israel who are suffering unspeakable losses and opposing the hatred and violence of terrorism. My team has been in near constant communication with our Israeli partners and partners all across the region and the world from the moment this crisis began. We're surging additional military assistance, including ammunition and interceptors to replenish Iron Dome. We're going to make sure that Israel does not run out of these critical assets to defend its cities and its citizens. My administration has consulted closely with Congress throughout this crisis. And when Congress returns, we're going to ask them to take urgent action to fund the national security requirements of our critical partners. This is not about party or politics. This is about the security of our world security of the United States of America. We now know that American citizens are among those being held by Hamas. I've directed my team to share intelligence and deploy additional experts from across the United States government to consult with and advise Israeli counterparts on hostage recovery, recovery efforts. 
Because as president, I have no higher priority than the safety of Americans being held hostage around the world. The United States has also enhanced our military force posture in the region to strengthen our deterrence. The Department of Defense has moved the USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group to the Eastern Mediterranean and bolstered our fighter aircraft presence. And we stand ready to move in additional assets as needed. Let me say again to any country, any organization, anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation, I have one word. Don't. Don't. Our hearts may be broken, but our resolve is clear. Yesterday, I also spoke with the leaders of France, Germany, Italy, and UK to discuss the latest developments with our European allies and coordinate our united response. This comes on top of days of steady engagement with partners across the region. We're also taking steps at home in cities across the United States of America. Police departments have stepped up. Security around centers for, of Jewish life. And the Department of Homeland Security and the Federal Bureau of Investigation are working closely with state and local law enforcement and Jewish community partners to identify and disrupt any domestic threat that could emerge in connection with these horrific attacks. This is a moment for the United States to come together, to grieve with those who are mourning. Let's be real clear. There is no place for hate in America, not against Jews, not against Muslims, not against anybody. We reject, we reject, what we reject is terrorism. We condemn the indiscriminate evil, just as we've always done. That's what America stands for. You know, just over 50 years ago, I was thinking about it this morning, talking to the Secretary of State, the Vice President in my office. Over 50 years ago, as a young senator, I visited Israel for the first time as a newly elected senator. And I had a long, long trip a meeting with Golda Meir in her office just before the Yom Kippur War. And I guess she could see the consternation on my face as she described what was being faced they were facing. We walked outside in that, uh, that sort of hallway outside her office to have some photos. She looked at me all of a sudden and said, would you like to have a photograph? And so I got up and followed her out. We we're standing there silent, looking at the press. She could tell, I guess, I was concerned. She leaned over and whispered to me. She said, don't worry, Senator Biden. We have a secret weapon here in Israel. My word is what she said. We have no place else to go. We have no place else to go. For 75 years, Israel has stood as the ultimate guarantor of the security of Jewish people around the world so that the atrocities of the past could never happen again. And let there be no doubt. The United States has Israel's back. We will make sure the Jewish and democratic state of Israel can defend itself today, tomorrow, as we always have. It's as simple as that. These atrocities have been sickening. We're with Israel.
Let's make no mistake. Thank you. What was your reaction? All right, President is walking out without taking questions. Not a surprise. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll discuss it. Happy to take your phone calls. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. DGS and KMOX. Right back. Welcome back, guys. 139 DGS. So we haven't even talked about it in the room here yet, but I think that's about as good as Biden gets. Right? I mean, he's a little Biden-y. He's a little mushy mouth. I wish he were stronger, but for given what we're dealing with, I think that's about as good and strong as Biden gets. And I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good address. Mm -hmm. It was interesting too, that uh, I I don't know how intentional it was, or if it was just kind of something that he thought of in the middle of it, but kind of flashing back to a long time ago conversation that he had uh, when he was a U.S. Senator with Golda Meir. It was interesting. It doesn't necessarily change the message, but it's just kind of that emphasis that I've been around the block a little bit. Yeah. And I, you know, a lot of the times the negative is he's been around the block maybe too many times. Right. But not many people in that position in this kind of situation have that kind of long standing relationship with leadership and in an ally with yeah. an ally, I should say. And what do you think? Yeah, I thought I thought it was really good what he said, because it was absolutely unequivocal. I, it was clear. Uh, it was strong. It displayed some layers of understanding that the Jewish people have been persecuted for their entire existence and that what Hamas is doing is seeking to destroy the Jewish people. It's in their charter. It's in their charter to end Israel, to end the Jewish people. And for Biden to go back to that conversation with Golda Golda Meir, at first I thought he was going to lose some of the momentum momentum that he had with all of the strong statements uh, about the brutality of people being slaughtered, murdered, babies. There's a kibbutz that we've just seen now, CBS, CNN, mm-hmm. babies beheaded. And for him to focus on that, and when he went to the conversation with Golda Meir, I was afraid that he was going to lose that momentum. But he pulled it back with what she said, which was, we have nowhere else to go. Yeah, I think there's, <clears throat> there's a... a- a change in the air that um, I know lots of younger people, very liberal people mm-hmm. who are pro-Palestine. I have several Palestinian friends and I've watched them struggle. And I have said to them and my young liberal friends, like, look, I'm OK with political disagreements. I'm OK with historical disagreements. I'm OK that you don't like Israel. I'm OK that you think that they're an occupation force. I will never, ever support anyone who cuts the heads off babies, and that's what we're looking at, and burns people alive. And uh, 31 different groups at Harvard uh, put out a joint statement saying that they hold Israel entirely responsible for the violence. And a lot of Harvard alumni and professors and very famous people have come out and said, you should be ashamed of yourselves. I've never been ashamed to be uh, associated with Harvard before, but I am today. You see the uh, the protests going on all over the country mm-hmm. uh, where Palestinians are coming out and, and chanting death to America. One GOP uh, congressperson has called for a uh, congresswoman to leave to take her Palestinian flag down. She has a Palestinian flag in her office rather than the flag of the United States. So I think you can you can walk and chew gum at the same time. I don't think you have to be anti-Palestinian uh, 
to say what had the, to draw a distinction between the Palestinian people and Hamas. And I think you mentioned the young people. If you you know if they're going to make that argument, which you should, Hamas is a terrorist organization. Uh, you mentioned the the shameful statement made by some of the student organizations at Harvard. Uh, University of Virginia, UVA, just issued one that I think might be worse, um, said that the events of the past few days made them, quote, hopeful for the future of Palestine, and also that all of the brutality of the, quote, freedom fighters is, quote, a step towards a free Palestine. Who, that's well, that's who UVA. Said that? This is the entire... The, this is the student organization, Students for Justice in Palestine at UVA. Yeah, but I mean, like, no, but I'm saying these are, I mean, the, the university, did Harvard condemn the statements that were made? Is UVA going to condemn this? Yeah, di- I didn't see, did they? I mean, because these are student groups doing this, and I, and I think it's important to distinguish between administrations and the people that are the ones that are instructing classes and groups of students that may only be a couple dozen people. And I'm not saying that it's it's horrible. That statement is absolutely horrible, but I'd like to know how many people that actually signed on to that as opposed to a campus that's full of 20,000 yeah. students, most of whom probably don't feel that way. And there's a difference between us, and I'm, this is not directed at you, Amy, just in general. There's a difference between a, a university body and the leadership of the university backing those things and a group of students saying those things. And I think there's a difference between um, the actual terrorist group, the militants involved in it that are working for it, and you know, the, the typical Palestinian who lives there. Um, and I'm not saying it's all, but there's a huge number of people that don't want anything to do with with any of what's going on there. I don't think that you can, you, you can't tell them that their feelings of being oppressed for decades or centuries or whatever are invalid. I think that they feel that way, right? And they feel it for different reasons. The blockade is one of them. They can't really go anywhere. I'm sure they, a lot of people, um, for example, they can't get medical care. Sometimes they need it. They need to cross the border to get it. They have to get a pass. And a lot of times that that permit is denied for them just to get simple medical care. So there's probably a a, a, a number of things that have occurred over the decades that make them feel like they're being oppressed. However, yeah. that valid feeling of oppression that you might have ends the moment you support what Hamas did over the weekend because you cannot if you want to attack if they want to attack a military installation okay then they've attacked the military installation you cannot go into homes of people who are just living or go to a music festival where people are listening to music young people listening to music and open fire on them and then kidnap them to use them as human shields or whatever you've decided to do with them. The moment those are your tactics, you've lost the plot and you've lost me and you've lost most of the world. Amy, I think you, were you the one that brought up when we were all doing the show, uh, the work of Yair, Yair Rosenberg? Mm-hmm. I think that's how I, how I became well, I, exposed I mean, to. Yeah, and Matty Friedman, mm-hmm. yeah. He, uh, but Rosenberg had an interesting tweet today about um, Rashida Tlaib and the Palestinian flag and he tweeted that there's nothing wrong with the Palestinian flag. He says they're not collectively responsible for what Hamas does. It's a theocratic regime that murders and jails its own mm-hmm. critis- critics in Palestine, its own mm-hmm. Palestinian critics. And he goes on to point out they were elected elected in t- 2006, but they've never allowed another election since. They've never won a majority of the votes. And most of the Gazan population 
was too young to be eligible to vote in 2006. There should, that's why the distinction is is important. Yes. The people there n- don't necessarily agree with this, and if they speak up, they are killed and They're they afraid are of jailed. Yeah. This, yeah. this could be a terrible analogy, but it, it I, to me it makes sense in my brain that if you are pro-life, and you are staunchly pro-life, and you go to every protest, and you carry signs, and you argue with people, and then someone bombs an abortion clinic and kills 20 people, you have to... You have to say no. You have to make a distinction yes. between having a disagreement and a political view and going through the proper channels and due process and committing murder. Yeah. And if you don't, then you are complicit and you have blood on your hands. And I think to me that that's kind of a fair analogy. Uh, so timing's kind of weird here because the president went past our normal times. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about this some more. We have General Mark Hurtling on at the top of the hour. Uh, George Rosenthal coming up. The think tank back right. Uh, be right back. One fifty-four. We're gonna have a short little segment here. When we come back, we will have General Mark Hurtling, who I met through you guys. So yep. you've, you've had him on, I think, several times. Hmm? That's right. Yeah, he's been he's in good. studio. He's very, very good. And I have lots of questions for him. Uh, I'm kind of a military buff, but I am uh, i don't understand the, the, uh, the nuts and bolts. And while it's a very dark thing to be interested in, uh, I am interested in, uh, well, what now? Uh, what 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 does a, a ground attack look like, and is it street to street, and, and what's the purpose, and are you going house to house, and who are you looking for, and how do you know who's a terrorist, and how do you not, and does it take weeks, does it take months, and so those are the kind of things we'll be talking about with the general who won't know all those answers, uh, but he'll know a lot more than we know now. Final thoughts, anyone? 30 seconds left. Well, Amy, sum it all up. Uh, <laughs> figure it all out. Yeah, uh, it's... It's devastating, and um, when, when you talked about what happens next, you know, if there are troops, if this happens on the ground, uh, what Israel does to defend itself, I, I, I don't know. And um, it's it's really the, the horrors we're seeing. I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain yeah. around it. Yeah. When I heard the thing about the babies today, yeah. it, I just had to. Put yeah. the TV on mute and get up and take a little walk. So yeah. uh, we'll cover it all for you here on KMOX.